Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Kynak and Canton, the Arsenal Way podcast, your weekly update surrounding Arsenal in association with Football.London. I'm Tom Canton, uh, your host for today's show, and as always, I'm joined by Kaya Kynak. How are you doing, mate? You good, Joel? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah, looking forward to what is the second episode of this podcast. Uh, we're racking up, racking up the numbers already, but hopefully <laughs> hopefully the, the second of many, as you said, the first of many first time, so hopefully the second of many. Indeed, yes. Uh, it's been a little while since we recorded the pilot episode. There's been lots going on, but we are going to endeavour to make these more regular for you listeners. So you won't be waiting as long for the next one and hopefully get a more regular time slot as well sorted out. So you'll know exactly when we'll be dropping these. Um, but what we start off with, I think, Kyle, and the best place to kind of start off is just asking how you are. I don't feel like we do that enough. You know, <laughs> how is life right now? Of course, we both went to Old Trafford to witness what was a frustrating result in the end. But besides Arsenal letting us down. How has how has life been treating you? Life generally is good. Um, yeah, busy. Um, currently in the process of moving house, which is uh, as I'm sure everyone knows, his listeners uh, it can be a little bit stressful, but it's, it's going okay so far. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's good. I mean, it's just sort of been it's been a bit of a weird week in the sense that we're recording this on the Thursday of sort of the week where. Uh, uh, seven days now uh, after Queen Elizabeth II passed away so it's been a bit of a weird week in the sense that games have been on games have been off and then they've been on again and then they've been off again and everything's been a bit all over the place in that sense it's been quite difficult to get a bit of a, a rhythm going I mean it's a very much a first world problem but as a football journalist you sort of get into your routine of press conference game press conference game especially with um, the amount of midweek games we've got going on at the minute with the World Cup being obviously in the middle of the season so yeah it's um, it's it's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm personally, I'm doing all right. And uh, yeah, I think Arsenal are doing much better. So that makes me in a much better mood. How about you? How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. It's a couple of days and then I'm off to Mauritius. So I can't really complain all that much about life right now. Um, I arrive at the hotel two hours before the Brentford game kicks off. So I'm going to start the hotel, the, the holidays I mean to go on and, and get up on the iPad. By I'm the sure your wife will be delighted with that. I'm sure be a great <laughs> way to start the honeymoon. Uh, it was originally going to be a case where there was going to be no football because of the international break. We timed it perfectly, but uh, it's just so ever so slightly crossed over. But uh, yeah, it's fine. Um, <laughs> we'll the rest of the holiday to focus on everything other than football. Um, but yeah, no, not bad. You enjoyed Zurich though, and St. Gallen in particular, two yeah. very nice places to go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Weirdly, um, my first ever European away trip with Arsenal um, because obviously I've been doing this show for a while now, but starting in the middle of the COVID pandemic where traveling wasn't really a thing then. Um, and then last season, obviously, we all know there was no European football. Um, sorry to bring that memory up in everyone's minds again. But yeah, yeah it was um, it was amazing. I mean, uh, Zurich was beautiful. St. Gallen was beautiful as well. I mean, every sort of picturesque postcard you've seen in Switzerland turns out is true. Um, the fans were great inside the Zurich Stadium. Uh, obviously, the game itself was a little bit weird with the news about the Queen that we mentioned before. But yeah, the, the trip itself was was lovely and 
um, a great first away trip with with Arsenal for sure. Absolutely, yeah. It was uh, it was obviously not the most amazing or convincing of performances uh, in in St Gallen. Rather, I keep wanting to say Zurich, but of course they've moved the, the game because of an athletics tournament at Zurich's home stadium. Which, if you're going to move a game. You know, a bit of an odd reason as to why. And an Ed Sheeran concert, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there was a, a and another uh, concert as well. Uh, the yeah. weekend after, I think, too. Yeah, it's a, a very oh, musical place. Have some Ed Sheeran but... song titles to get some puns going, but I didn't hear that in advance. Sorry, <laughs> listeners, if I'm letting my standards slip. If you were if you were turning up here hoping for some comedy gold based on Ed Sheeran, I'm afraid you're going to be found wanting. I'm really sorry about that. Well, they do have to divide the stadium between themselves hey, and Grasshopper. So, you know, um, so, yeah, that's that's why they don't really have too much Multiply control. those throughout the rest of the podcast, please. Absolutely. <laughs> I will try it as well. We're, we're quick while we're ahead. Yeah, we should. Let's, let's, let's kind of bring things around away from... Ed Sheeran, uh, and uh, no, I was merely going toward another one, but I've just, I'm going to rein myself in now. Um, we are recording this literally moments after the England squad has been announced. Um, the biggest thing from an Arsenal perspective, of course, the inclusion of Saka and Ramsdale is, is worth talking about, and we will, but I think the biggest thing and the biggest frustration is not necessarily from a personal standpoint either, because, you know, there's always that kind of confliction around international call-ups, because part of you is like, oh, great for the player, but also, oh no, what if they get injured? So, there is a, it is a bit um, bittersweet in a way, but Ben Wyatt missed out uh, on this group. And when I see names like Connor Cody and Maguire getting in ahead of him, I only can find an emotion of frustration. But tell me how you're feeling after seeing this news. Similar to you, and another name that's also made the made the call up, which I thought was a bit strange, given that he's not necessarily played that often this season, was John Stones. Um, mm. He's not quite been a regular for. City yet. I mean, he's played a lot of games, but he's not been, I, I wouldn't say, sort of one of the Southgate seems to have indicated that he might be open to playing a back three, and in that case, then surely playing a back three means that you have to have a player like White involved, because he can play in both formations. It just makes so much sense. So, yeah, um, an odd one, I think. But, um, yeah, it's just um, yeah, frustrating, like you say. Yeah, it is frustrating. Yeah, it really is. Um, I think that White playing at right back potentially has, has cost him this um, through really no fault of his own um, because he's been playing really, really well in that position. And if we're honest, you know, the right back position at Arsenal is certainly a position I feel anyway that kind of moulds into a kind of centre-back hybrid role at times because he, he pushes on, and but he's also disciplined and defensive. I, I think there was a statistic saying that he's the only defender who's faced more than 10 opposition and won the most kind of duels going up against them. So he's obviously doing well. It's just now about, fingers crossed, that he can continue this form for us, that this won't dampen him at all in any way and, and we can hopefully succeed moving forwards in the future. So, yeah, White's inclusion, or rather exclusion, is a frustration. But, I mean, is, is there any kind of final thoughts you've got on this? Um, what I would say is that um, I think a, a defender like White is weirdly someone who enables you to attack in a certain way. And if you look at the, the players England have in their squad, the, the squad is very top-heavy in terms of talent. It's not necessarily the most talented backline um, goalkeeping position we'll get onto in a little bit. The midfield isn't... It has some issues, but the the strength for England is definitely in those attacking positions. And I think if you want, if England are going to win a tournament this summer, uh, winter even, I should say, 
Mm. Um, chances are their best chance of doing that is by trying to, you know, utilize those attacking weapons as to the best of their capabilities. And I think a player like Ben White enables you to play further up the pitch, uh, whether that be in a back three or a back four, as a right back, as a centre back, wherever you want to play him, because he's so good on the ball, but he's also so good in those transition moments as a 1v1 defender. We've seen that with Arsenal quite a few times this season where he deals with tricky wingers, he deals with pacey attackers coming on the counter and he, he does it quite well. And I think that kind of player is something that England don't necessarily, in terms of the defenders they've got in that squad, I'm looking for sort of equivalents and people say that maybe Harry Maguire can dribble out from the back. I've not seen him do that for a while. I think his confidence is completely shot and maybe John Stones can do it, but... I think Ben White does it better than them both. So I think if you're going to have a player to sort of go into that type of position, I just think it makes sense for, for Ben White to be that guy. Absolutely. Let's focus on the positives though, because Saka and Ramsdale both have got in. Ramsdale in particular is an interesting one because it's a squad that will not include Jordan Pickford because of injury. And so for both him, Nick Pope, and of course, uh, Dean Henderson, it's an opportunity to try and stake a claim to get into that number one role. Do you think he is the best placed of the three? Or do you think that the likes of Nick Pope may just edge him? I would say so, based on how Southgate has picked his past few squads. Um, But things have changed. The start of this season, Dean Henderson's obviously getting regular football. Nick Pope's playing very well for Newcastle. So it's not necessarily a surefire thing. And Ramsdale, I think he's actually been better than a lot of people have said, but he's he's not been at the top of his form this season so far. So this is a chance and we'll we'll get onto the postponements later. But one of the reasons I was quite excited to play Everton this weekend was because um, last weekend even was because Jordan Pickford wasn't there. And uh, I thought, you know, their their lack of goalkeepers presented Arsenal with an opportunity to potentially get a good scoreline there. But the lack of Jordan Pickford for for England means that Aaron Ramsdale has got his chance and he will, in his mind, be targeting that starting spot for the World Cup. And he knows that if he goes in in these next couple of games, because Pickford's out for four weeks, which is, you know, at this stage with a couple of months to go to the World Cup is relatively significant. We don't know how he's yeah. going to recover. Yeah. Obviously, Southgate tends to trust Pickford in those big tournaments. But I think Ramsdale is probably the future of that position just in terms of age profiles. I'm not fully convinced by Dean Henderson. Um, I think he, he strikes me as a little bit arrogant for a goalkeeper, which I think, you know, Manuel Neuer is arrogant, but I don't think Henderson's <laughs> anywhere near that level. I think... Um, Why? Why does he strike you as arrogant? I've never heard that before. That's interesting. Yeah, it's just something about him when he makes penalty saves. Uh, I think just the way he... Sort of Damn that much. man for celebrating. I know, I know, I know. It's, it's very much a, a personal opinion. But I, I have heard reports, to be fair, that he's he's um, he's a little bit like... I, just, I didn't like his interview in the summer, to be fair, when um, he was talking about sort of complaints about not getting his promises fulfilled to him at Man United. I just thought that that came across as someone who felt a a little bit entitled to a starting spot at Man U when, you know, De Gea is not the perfect goalkeeper by any stretch of the imagination, but he was the number one. So you're sort of coming in, you have to Mm. prove that. And your attitude, in my opinion, I think his attitude could have been better to the situation, but that's that's why I have those those feelings. But, you know, he deserves to be in the England squad based on how he started the season for Forest. But for me, Ramsdale will be starting these these couple of games and well at least one of them and he deserves it and hopefully you know if he's if he's good enough he can prove to Southgate look I'm your number one going into Qatar and I think from an Arsenal perspective we're all happier to see I know there's maybe this is an England fan Arsenal perspective but I, I personally get a kick out of seeing the England team as populated with Arsenal players as possible and you know there was a period last season where there was as many as four Arsenal players in the England squad and that was quite exciting so if you can get two regular starters in the England team, because I think Saka's probably going to start every game on the right wing, 
then that's very exciting. Yeah, I mean, we don't really have that many options. You think Jared Bowen is probably the most obvious other natural right winger, but he's not gone with Rashford. He's not gone with, with Jaden Sancho either. He does seem to me the most likely option and the most natural option for that right-hand side, but who knows what, what Southgate is capable of. I'm, I mean, I'm just to kind of close off this England section uh, before we go into Arsenal more, but you know, whilst I have this huge kind of respect and admiration for what Southgate's achieved with England getting them to a final of the European Championships and a semi-final of the World Cup, and whilst I'm, I think to many come across as very much a stringent kind of supporter of Arteta and with Southgate, I, I there is part of me that feels like a better manager would have taken England to either the you know winning the Euros or even to the final of that World Cup over Croatia. Is there an argument, do you think, that Southgate kind of maybe has taken England as far as he can? And perhaps some of his selection decisions and tactical decisions are evidence of that. Fair question. It's a big question. I yeah, think it is. In the final of the Euros, I think we really saw that that negativity come to the fore. And there's lots of people that say, um, yeah, if England had maybe twisted the, what's, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Stepped on the gas that little bit more in the first half, they could have been out of sight because they were dominant in that early part of the game, but they, they fell back quite quite quickly um, after taking such an early lead. And it was the same against Croatia in the, the semifinals a couple of, well, three years before that. Mm. But... I know I've just spoken about how maximising the attacking talents is being best chance of winning, but at the same time, I think international football is a curious beast where the way you play doesn't matter at all. It's just results. That's why it's so different to club football, and this is why I'm I'm a defender of Gary Southgate because I think international management is very heavily weighted in terms of the, the man management side of things. So I think it's really important to make sure you've got the, the mood in the camp right. We've seen so many times with England in the past, with other countries in the past, that if you don't get that mood right in the camp, that's when problems start to arise. And this, this every England player, when you talk to them, they're always saying how it feels like a club atmosphere when they go to the England yeah. squad. And if you think where they were coming from before, that's a remarkable turnaround. And South such a good spokesperson for issues off the pitch, um, taking the knee, for example, in the Euros last summer when the country came under a lot of criticism for that, he stood by it. And I think that kind of stuff is where a manager like him sort of transcends tactics. I know it's about getting results on the pitch and, you know, the fact that Italy didn't even qualify for this World Cup is probably a sign that that was a bit of a missed opportunity for England in the summer of the Euros. But at the same time, I think man management is huge at international level. And I personally, if England go and, you know, this is, I know a lot of our, our listeners won't necessarily be English and maybe this section of the, the podcast doesn't really apply to them. But as an England fan, I think if uh, if England go out this summer and win, <clears throat> excuse me, every game 1-0, and it's not the most entertaining, but if they win every game 1-0 and get all the way to the final and win that 1-0, I won't be too bothered. So, yes, I think Southgate has his limitations tactically and I think he's not the best manager in the world. I do think that... Still, he's probably the best England can get right now. So, I would, I would stick by him. Fair enough. Fair enough. I won't turn the needle anymore on that one. Uh, maybe until a later date when England get knocked out in the last sixteen or something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's let's bring it back round to Arsenal more specifically because you know since we last spoke, and you were obviously in St Gallen, uh, at the unfortunate passing of Queen Elizabeth II, which then sparked the kind of domino impact across sports, in particular football, uh, in which the Premier League fixtures last weekend were 
postponed and subsequently the game against PSV has had to be postponed because of uh, uh, just a, a lack of a police presence able to be there for that game um, with the, I believe it was the impacts of, of not only what was needed for Arsenal and the size of the stadium, but also the PSV fans that were coming over, which was a bit different to the Salzburg situation with Chelsea, hence why that game was able to go ahead. Um, but Arsenal do, of course, have the game against Brentford to go ahead. We'll talk about that in a second. But on the postponements, this does mean that Everton and Manchester City will have to wait to play Arsenal until 2023, which adds two more games to the second half of the season. Are you concerned by the potential congestion getting even? We were already concerned, but I mean, are you even more concerned now about what Arsenal will have to deal with in the second half? A bit, yeah. I think was it was it you or was it someone else who did the piece on um, the potential places that the the new Arsenal against Everton and Man City fixtures could be squeezed in? I can't remember. I'm sorry, was Tash might have done that. Tash, okay. I won't steal Tash's thunder then. But um, I was looking at that piece and I noticed, and if, you know, if you get a chance, check it out on the football on the website. But I noticed that there's not too many um, slots available for uh, games to be rescheduled, and if you're looking at times where it could be rescheduled going as far into the season as sort of March, April. And that is a bit of a concern in the sense that if Arsenal are in a position where they're in a tight race for the top four and they've got to face Manchester City twice, um, that's obviously not a position where you want to be going into that game needing points from it. Hopefully Arsenal will have got enough points on the board by that point anyway to not have to worry about that. But it's, it's not a position where the Gunners want to find themselves. Um, that said, there's nothing that can really be done about it. It's just the way... The, the fixture list has fallen this season. You know, I personally think mid-season World Cup is a, is a crazy idea and I, I will think that until it happens and I think we're going to see a lot of injuries off the back of it and I think a lot of players are going to be fatigued and I think the second half of the season is going to be potentially a little bit lower in quality because we're, as well as the physical sort of impact, the emotional impact of a World Cup winning or losing, going straight back into club football days later is going to be huge for mm. so many players and I think that's going to be a, an intangible that we can't really... Um, get to grips with until we get to that point but um yeah a little bit concerned about those those fixtures being delayed but you know there's not much that can be done personally i think suspending last weekend's round of fixtures so the everton game for arsenal was the wrong decision because i think football a would have been able to pay tribute in a respectful manner but b i think everyone would have understood this weekend with the queen's funeral going on and um, for our listeners not in London, there's there's queues of up to 30 hours to see, mm-hmm. you know, the Queen at Buckingham Palace for the final time. It's it's very busy. It's very, um, you know, the police are very stretched at this time um, to deal with a football match on top of that. So I don't think anyone would have had too many complaints if they cancelled this round of fixtures. But if they couldn't really then do that, having postponed last week's round of fixtures. So it was all a bit... Um, made a bit difficult by that decision, which I think was the wrong decision. And sort of the Premier League's been playing catch-up ever since. So... Yeah, yeah, I think it could have been handled better. And I do think it will impact Arsenal potentially negatively. But it's just something they're going to have to deal with. And, you know, rescheduling was always a potential for a team like Arsenal with, you know, them wanting to get into the latter rounds of the cup competitions. But we'll have to see how that happens. Hopefully it doesn't impact the squad too much. Yeah, we will only see. Time will tell what obviously ends up happening between Arsenal and and their fixtures. But we do have the benefit and the the respite, I guess, of of Brentford being reinstated. Well, not even necessarily reinstated, but it, it in a sense feels that way. It feels like we've got a fixture back because there was such a feeling that it potentially wouldn't go ahead. And there still are games this weekend, such as Manchester United against Leeds. 
um, that won't go ahead and Liverpool against Chelsea, of course. And I think Brighton is the other game against Crystal Palace that is also being postponed as well. So there is a frustration amongst other supporters that their games won't be going ahead. There is a bit of confusion on my part. Maybe it's a lack of not doing enough reading around it, but for a game to be called off in Manchester, but a game to go ahead in, in London, you know, for me, there's there's questions to be answered. Uh, but the Brentford game going ahead is going to be a benefit for a number of reasons. But having this break leading up to it also gives Arsenal a small benefit for a player like Thomas Partey, for instance, who's been out for some time. He most likely wouldn't have been available for the Everton game. There is potentially a chance he could have played on Thursday or at least got some minutes because he has been back in full training. So where do you kind of see the benefits of this break going into that Brentford game? Yeah, just for a bit of clarity on why those games in Manchester, Leeds, etc., would would postpone. Yeah, the, the, Educate me. <laughs> yeah, the police have certain categories for for games based on the what they think is potential for, um, I guess, crowd trouble is the way to put it. I'm sure there's a more diplomatic way of describing that. But uh, if you look on paper, games like Manchester United versus Leeds, Liverpool, Chelsea, Palace, Brighton is a derby as well. They have the potential to, I guess, require a bit more police presence and, I guess, attention than a game like Arsenal-Brentford, which, you know, despite being a London derby on paper, there's not too much needle in that fixture. I don't, I don't predict. Too many scenes in Unity Stadium on Sunday. I think it will be cordial between the two sides. So I think that's why, you know, people are confused as to why the two games, um, well, outside of London was postponed. Uh, is it two? It might just be one. But why Man University Leeds was postponed, sure, I think, I think yeah. that's why, basically. Um, I think just the police, for those games where they, they view it as a Category A or a Category 1, um, I think they feel that they needed only a, a stronger presence. And that was that was why they, they chose to cancel it, because they didn't feel that they could provide the sort of adequate level of safety. So, yeah, that's that's why that was suspended. So I hope that's been been helpful um i, I, that was sort of, I have learned there you, go. there you go there you go i'm happy to be the teacher but, um, <laughs> oh flashbacks flashbacks don't worry. <laughs> i'll take over the role um yeah as for players like party yeah i think it's good for him it's good for arsenal to be able to get um a full strength team back but to be honest even if he's back i, I wouldn't i wouldn't know if michael arteta would risk him right now unless he's fully fit especially because he's going to go away with Garner in, in the international break probably play there you would assume he'll play their games throughout the uh, international break there so it's, it's going to be a an interesting one to watch with him I, I personally would sort of not look to risk him against Brentford I think Sambi Lekonga could come in and do a decent job especially with Xhaka dropping a little bit deeper in the midfield and Brentford is the type of team pardon me Brentford is the type of team where Arsenal might be a bit worried about being hit in transition, but hopefully Sambi would have learned from his mistakes at United and then maybe, you know, you have to give him a chance to sort of sink or swim. But maybe Arteta will be tempted, you know, now Partey's back um, to to throw him back in. It'd be a, an interesting one. I personally wouldn't do it. I wouldn't risk him because I think keeping him fit for the, the games to come after the international break is more important. But I suppose maybe Arteta will think, you know, if I don't play him now, he might go away with Garner and, and get another injury there. So... It's, it's, a, it's a tricky dilemma. I don't know. What would you do? I'd play him personally. Um, I think that yeah. from the sounds of things, he's been he's been in training for at least this week. I think he was in you know outside doing some outside stuff last week, some understanding. So 
I feel as though if there's an opportunity to get him some minutes in this game, even if it's just off the bench uh, in this game against Brentford, that that will give an opportunity to to kind of get him up to a bit of Premier League speed for the game against Spurs. I just have, I think it's kind of predicated on the fact that I've got these fears and nightmares of what happened when he was rushed back for the derby, and that was kind of his first game. I know it's slightly That's different. That's my worry. Because, yeah, because he was because he was rushed back for the Spurs game last time. We know what happened. Obviously, he suffered that serious injury and was out for a considerable time afterwards. I do feel as though this is slightly different because it's been longer. He's been allowed time to recover. There was rumours that he could have even taken, as I say at the start of the question, like they could have taken part in the for a few minutes maybe in the Everton game and, and certainly in the PSV game. But the, the worry is obviously this international break. It's a bit of an unknown factor. We don't know how many minutes he's going to you know, take in, in those games. He could just be involved in terms of being there as the captain going into the last international break. You won't get too many minutes because, you know, for Ghana's interest, they want to, they won't want to risk a, a serious injury to him either because he's their best player. So do you know what I mean? So I feel as though yeah, there's yeah. that part of the debate as well. Yeah, um, I think that's a fair point, but I just I, I can't see them not taking that risk. I think you know Kieran Tierney for going away with Scotland, for example, is another position where Arsenal find themselves in a similar position I'd be surprised if he doesn't play almost every game because Andy Robertson is injured and um, yeah I'd be surprised if, if Tierney is sort of um, isn't used so I think it'll be a similar similar situation there yeah absolutely um, on Brentford itself we obviously didn't have the best of times there last season to open the campaign we have a very very different team now than we did then and there are a lot of players different that are available in this game of course Famously, Arsenal didn't have any senior strikers and following Balogun had to play after not having Aubameyang and Lacazette and Nketiah all not there. This time it is very different, but Brentford are still a very good team. You know, they've, I think they are the third highest home goal scorers in the league behind Liverpool and City. So we are going to have to be careful. How do you kind of see this one going? Good start. You've been doing your research, I can tell. We've hey. been doing a bit of prep for this podcast. Yeah, we're really <laughs> stepping it up. Um I'm potentially worried about Brentford. I don't think it'll be the easiest game. I think they showed against Manchester United that they have the the tools to hit a team on the counter-attack. And then ironically, Manchester United showed against Arsenal that Arsenal are a little bit vulnerable to being hit on the counter-attack. So that'll be an interesting um, sort of thing for them to deal with. Players like Ivan Tony do have the potential to cause trouble. But then I think defenders like Gabriel and William Saliba are well-placed to deal with them. Ben White as well, actually. He might have a bit of a bit of a revenge sort of arc in his mind. Also, I look at defenders like Ben Mee and Pontus Janssen, who'll be playing for them. And I do think those are the exact kind of defenders that Arsenal's attack will want to face. The likes of Saka, Jesus, Martinelli, Odegaard, they'll love those less mobile, uh, sort of more robust defenders. Brentford will probably play in the back three, which is what they tend to do against the bigger teams. But I think if you look at that back line, Arsenal will fancy their chances because they'll be able to press them, they'll be able to harry them, and they'll be able to hopefully cause them problems, which I think, you know, they'll they'll be confident of doing. A striker like Jesus in particular has all the tools to cause Brentford lots of problems. And, you know, they're, they're no mugs. They'll, they'll be a difficult team to beat. Um, they can cause Arsenal problems. But at the same time, I think Arsenal will be confident of sort of the weapons in, you know, poor choice of words, but the weapons in their Arsenal to be able to deal with, uh, to be able to deal with, yeah, look, that's fair enough. Um, but I am going to be mean and ask for a prediction, Kai. So tell me what you're feeling. Uh, you know I don't like doing these predictions every week. Every week I try and find a way to wriggle out of them and every week you manage to catch my attempts to to escape. <laughs> I don't know. Go for it. I don't know. Oh. It's tough. 
Let's go for 2-1 to Arsenal. I think uh, Brentford do have the potential to score a goal and cause Arsenal problems, but I'd like to think this this Arsenal vintage, if you like, as I said before, are better equipped to, to deal with the issues that they're going to come up against. And I think, you know, it's a... It's going to be a good test because this, you know, Zurich was, I suppose, the, the first comeback after United, but this is the first proper test after United, with all due respect to Zurich. I think, you know, if Arsenal had wanted to, they could have beaten Zurich four or five. They just didn't really seem that yeah. sort of motivated. Whereas Brentford, you're going to need to turn up and give it everything to to come away from there with, with three points. So, yeah, I think that will be a, an interesting one to, to deal with. But I'm not going to let you get away with it as well. I want you to make one too. I'm not going to be... <laughs> it's it's funny because I've been going back and forth about 2-0 or 3-0. And I, I, <laughs> the reason I say 2-0 or 3-0 is because I really want Arsenal to go to a team like Brentford who have got all this narrative and talk about how many goals they've scored and shut them out. Because I think it would be such a big statement to be able to do that, especially going into the North London derby. So I'm going to stick with that and go to nil uh, in this case and feel as though Jesus can get a couple of goals in this one. It'd be absolutely critical for that. Um, we're going to finish the show as we always do with our little FPL quips, as we're liking to call them now. Um, and an Arsenal tips, quips and tips for FPL from an Arsenal perspective, if you like. <laughs> But uh, yes, who are you kind of looking at as potential to take out for this game? And who is one suggestion for you to bring in from an Arsenal side of things for this game? Yeah, if you guys have any names for features, uh, we'll, 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 we'll take them. We're, we're happy to take submissions. Hold on, are you criticising quips and tips? Is that not good? I, I, said, no, <laughs> I said no such thing. That's, that's, that's on you. You're, you're reading into my words. But let's have a look. I'm just scrolling through the fixtures now and coming up with some some predictions obviously there are the uh, suspended ones but I mean I'd, I'd invest heavily I know this is an Arsenal themed podcast but I'd invest heavily in Spurs strikers if I were you what? just because they're playing Leicester City no, right. Leicester okay, City no, let's, uh, let's set a precedent here Kaya because I have a rule with FBL sorry I never ever 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 put Spurs players in my team it's just part I'm going to get myself cancelled now aren't I I have accepted that it has cost me significant points across the years, <laughs> and I've never won any FPL league I've ever been in, probably because of this self-inflicted rule. However, I just can't do it. <laughs> I can't, if it helps, I can't I've, got, Go on. I've got both Kane and Son in my team, and I am sitting currently 12th of 13 in uh, one of the leagues I'm in and 5th of 5 in the other league I'm in. So, you know, it's not all uh, it's not all swings and roundabouts with, um, with Spurs players. Do you know your do you know, Do I know team? my team? I'm tempted to ask what your team is at the moment. Yeah, I can yeah. tell you okay. mine if you need a second okay. to get it up. So I've got, no, I've got, I've got it ready to go. Yeah. Okay, so Pope and goal. Back three of Alexander-Arnold, Reese James and Saliba. Then I've got Josh De Silva, Mo Salah, Son, Gabriel Martelli, Declan Rice and up front Kane and Jesus. Okay, I've got uh, Edison in goal, uh, Saliba, Trippier, Cancelo and Botman at the back. Botman's the one I've brought in this week because I've doubled up on Newcastle defenders because they've got a good run of games coming up. Nice. Um, in midfield, Martinelli, Andreas Pereira and Paqueta, uh, whose stats have looked quite good and I'm expecting a bit of a goal contribution at some stage. Um, and then up top, Jesus, Haaland and Alexander Izak I've brought in as well. Uh, I brought him in with a wild card a week ago. He did score, of course, on his debut, and they've got, as I say, some fixtures coming up. And with Callum Wilson out, it seems that he'll be starting most of the games. I have got Sterling James Rashford on the bench, but obviously their games are postponed, so they're sitting on the bench. Ah, that's fair enough. That's, I was going to yeah. say, what are you doing there? I need to yeah, take yeah. some. Yeah, I need to. I need to do that. Actually, I need to take the uh, the Chelsea players out of my squad. Yeah, players. Yeah. Yeah. People should be important. wary of the, uh, the the postponements that are coming through uh, for mm. this weekend's games. But I have managed to have a team that is all involved, despite those 
six Nicely teams done. that won't be involved this week. So yes, Nicely done. Um, Tip-wise, from my end, uh, as I said, Newcastle defenders uh, for me, I think, are on my tip uh, with them playing. Their next three games are Bournemouth uh, home, Fulham away, and Brentford at home. Um, three games where potentially clean sheets could be got. Trippy is a bit of a differential as well for people. Um, slept on, and he takes all of their set pieces, so he's not a bad one to have in your side. Um, from an Arsenal standpoint, you know, I've taken Saka out. I took him out the week that he scored against Man United. He scored, obviously, against Man United, and that was a frustration. But, uh, yes, that that is it. But on FPL side of things, that kind of brings a close to that. There is one final thing that we absolutely need to mention because tomorrow, finally, after a long way and a very successful summer, in particular if you're a follower of England's women's football, um, but Arsenal get underway and kick things off. Kai, you're going to be there, to my understanding. Are you looking yes. forward to it? And what are your expectations for the season? Very much so. I was I was in Jonas Erdogan's press conference yesterday. He's very focused, very confident. Uh, Arsenal, obviously, on the final day of last season, were pipped to the title by one point by Chelsea. And they, they led the WSL for most of the season as well, which is pretty gutting. And we've got an interview with... Leah Williamson coming out uh, on Thursday. I don't know when you guys will be listening to this, but if you if you're listening to it after five thirty on Thursday, then please do check it out because I'm I'm really proud of it and I think she's she speaks really well uh, as she always does. But uh, it's a lot of interesting stuff about sort of how tired she felt after that and how drained she felt by the the loss. And I think a lot of the Arsenal squad did feel that way. But again, a lot of them have had really good summers uh, aside from the well four but now three who were in the England squad for the Euros there's there's also Rafael de Souza who's gone away with Brazil and won the Copa America and several other players have had really good um really good experiences with their international teams as well so I think it's been a good summer for Arsenal off the season off the pitch I'm uh, sorry away from club football and I think that's going to stand them in good stead when they come back this time around and you know we, we talk about how sometimes going close is what a group needs to motivate them to go even harder the next season and I think that's that's going to be really important for Arsenal. And I think as they do that, they're going to need support from everyone. And this this Friday's game against Brighton at Meadow Park is already sold out. Um, just before we came on air, uh, the news came right through that they've sold out uh, forty five thousand. Yeah. They've sold forty five thousand tickets for the North London derby at the Emirates, which is amazing. If you still haven't bought a ticket, or if you're in the area and can come to that game, then do so. I would highly recommend it. It's going to be a great day. And if they can sell out the Emirates Stadium, then you know what a what a statement that would be for women's football in the aftermath yeah. of the Euros. Yeah. I think that'd be such a good message to be given out. So yeah, it's going to be a good season, I think, for Arsenal. I think they're very much in the title race. They're, they'll be targeting that. That their their ambition is to to win the Premier League, uh, WSL, sorry, and to to go far in the Champions League if, if possible. So that is their their stated ambition, and that is what they want to do. So that they are well equipped to do so. They've made. Not too many signings, but the squad is pretty settled, which I think isn't always the case in, in uh, mm. women's football and isn't always the case in the WSL. You normally get a lot of turnover of squad in the in the summers, but this group is pretty settled. And I, I do think Arsenal are in a good position to to kick on and end Chelsea's three-year stranglehold at the, the top yeah. of the WSL. Yeah, Arsenal used to be so dominant and it's frustrating seeing... Mm. Covered in blue rather recently, but uh, yeah, look, you say you say like we haven't had much turnover, and and that's true. But I think one of the me the main things is is keeping Miedemar, you know, at the club. That was a huge um, benefit. I know it's only short term for the moment, but you know, I think that if we can show that we can keep ourselves, you know, not only as a potential title winner, but also to go as far as you can in the Champions League, then you have the better chance of keeping players and adding players to the level of of Viv's quality. So. 
yeah for sure good. for sure and i mean we've seen a lot of the lionesses this summer move away so obviously kira walsh has gone for a record fee to barcelona um lucy bronze has gone to barcelona as well george stanway has gone to Bayern munich a, a lot of the the england team from this summer have moved abroad and the, the reason for that is the wsl team's record in the champions league isn't the best and i think if you're among the top players in world football you do want to be testing yourself and winning that competition so it's going to be a huge thing for arsenal and for chelsea um to try and you know manchester city have a playoff as well to try and get into the final stage of the the Champions League this season, they've, they've not had as good a rep. Barcelona are currently a cut above, but Arsenal will, will want to prove that they've 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 come some distance because they played Barcelona last last time out, and you know they were beaten on both occasions. But if they if they get sort of into a similar stage where they're playing those types of teams, then they'll be hopeful that they can they can sort of really go toe to toe with them and that would be a real testament to how far English women's football's come and I, I really I'm, I'm hopeful this season that it's going to be a, a good one for, for them Yeah if you've ever considered kind of jumping into women's football a lot more than you maybe have before this is going to be a season that you should definitely be trying sure. to do it. and uh, with Kaya sure. at the games and, uh, and covering things we will definitely be bringing you updates across the season um, so I look forward to hearing how successful we are as we go towards claiming a title away from Chelsea, fingers crossed. Kaya, thank you so much for your time today to record today's show. Uh, it's a pleasure to, to get this show properly underway and to hopefully start things off throughout the course of the season. But I appreciate your time. Tell people where they can find you and what stuff you've got coming. Anytime. Yeah, thank you very much for for being here with me and thank you for, for having me on. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at KayaKainat97. Uh, obviously, as I said, we've got that coverage of the Arsenal women's game against Brighton coming up tomorrow. There's also Mikel Arteta's press conference on Friday, that interview with Leah Williamson coming out this evening as well, which I'm really excited about, and obviously all the coverage of Arsenal versus Brentford. So it's, it's busy before the international break. You know, there's there's not much letting up, and uh, we'll have everything related to Arsenal for you on football.london website where you can find all the other good stuff. Indeed. Indeed. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. You can find Kaya on Twitter at KayaKaya97. You can find myself at Tom Cantor Media, and you can check out all of our written work at football.london. So make sure you are covering across yourself, across Arsenal, with everything over there. We'll be back, I'm sure, next week to give you more updates and info about what's going on in the world of Arsenal. If you have enjoyed things with this, it really would be beneficial if you could leave a review on Spotify. If you've got any feedback, we love hearing that. If you can send it to us on Twitter, we would appreciate anything that you would like to hear, see, added to the show. We can do our best to try and endeavour and get them to that level because we just want to make this as good as we can, basically. But thanks for listening. We'll see you again very, very soon. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way. Oh,